What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff Hillen with Selling Stories. Welcome back. I have a really special guest with me, Matt Wellner. How you doing, Matt? Great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yes. We're extremely excited to have you with us. Matt used to be someone that tried to sell to me. So I thought, what better way to bring some insight into somebody that has a pass with me? Matt, I wanted you to start off just by telling everybody a little bit about yourself some background information and what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a Wisconsin boy, born and raised, grew up in a small town, about 5,000 people. Really didn't know coming through high school that sales was even an option as a career. And my history in trying to get into sales, I was heavy into drama, performing arts in high school, as well as football. Finding a way that I could combine that comfortability of being in front of people and using that to my advantage of making some money and making a living for my family. It's been a long journey, starting as this little kid in a small town to now being a director of a sales department here in Milwaukee. So when did you really feel like sales was a calling? What was your first position? How did that happen? I got thrown into sales because they needed somebody to make phone calls. Office manager quit unexpectedly. And so the one day I was up front, our owner and our sales guy were out. A phone call came in from one of our big suppliers and they're like, hey, we need all this stuff. I was like, okay. So I wrote it all down and went researched. What did we sell this stuff for in the past and put like five to 10% bump on everything. I didn't know really what I was doing. Please be profitable. Please be profitable. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what was happening. Yeah, I want my job Um, after this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I put this big order together, shot it off to the client and they sent me my first PO. And it was very profitable. It's that first taste where you finally get that first sale and you just, you feel that adrenaline pump. My first full-time sales position was telesales, a small company owned by Wesco called Connie Safety. It's out here in Madison. And it was just a telesales pounding and smiling and dialing as we called it back then. I'm very familiar as sad. The <laughs> yeah. worst part about it is smiling and dialing stands for sad. Yeah, I know. When you think yeah, about yeah. that, stand. Ouch. But yeah, were you good at it? They gave me a two-week crash course on how to sell. When you're doing telesales, man, it's a stepping stone into sales. You got to be able to start somewhere at the bottom and work your way up in order to get that experience. And they gave you how to get around gatekeepers, how to build your elevator pitch. Sales and after those camp, two weeks, you just kind of yeah, went say, yeah, camp. man, it was a crash course. Yeah. yeah, for sure. They gave you scenarios and we were in a live lab where calls would come in during the day and then they would grade and working with you. After that two weeks, you got released to the wolves and you either made it or didn't. Where I knew I was going to be good at sales was I got on the phone. I was super excited to call this company because I used to work for them. Okay. I knew the guy. So we would sell to safety personnel. We were selling hard hats and gloves and earplugs. So this factory, I worked for a long time. I knew the safety director very well. I called him up and he answers the phone and I give him my little speech and go through everything, super confident with everything. And he's just, you know what, son, you're really good at this. You sound awesome, but you're not making a dime off of me and hung up the phone. (laughs) I was just like, all right. For him to give me at least some feedback, I took that as motivation. It's always stuck with me, that conversation. How do you think you would have taken that differently if he would have given you order? Do you think it would have the same feeling or do you almost appreciate the fact that you didn't get that order and took it with you? The major lesson I learned out of that was not to take anything for granted because you think you have this in, you still have to follow the process. You can't just expect it to land just because you know the guy's first name. Sure. You can learn a lot more from that failure than you can from a success. I saw success pretty much right out the gate for the first couple of months leading my team in sales and opening up new accounts. And it was a lot of fun to, to really cut your teeth Yeah, <laughs> in the hardest environment ever where you're dialing the phone 400 times a day to see who picks up. 
Did you get to a point where there's another opportunity now to go to another level that you got your teeth into this, but you wanted to go somewhere another direction, but stay in sales? Yeah, absolutely. My first taste of being in the field and meeting people face-to-face, helping them solve some problems. I was like, this is what I have to do. One of those companies, you'll probably recognize the name, is Kohler. Here in Wisconsin, Kohler is big. I mean, that founded up in Kohler, Wisconsin. We got the golf courses to the manufacturing facilities to everything. I grew that account from 300,000 in sales a year to just over a million and a half. Yeah, I'm curious. You have a knack for this. Do you have any traits specifically that you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I think I bring this comparing to some other people, not in a bad way, but just being realistic and saying, there's some traits I bring to the table that seem to correlate well with your success. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Treating people like humans, It's a big thing. Having a bit of grace for people. A lot of people don't realize that, again, there's just another person on the other end of that line. They have a problem that they want solved. And whether that's an issue you can help with or just maybe the shoulder to cry on, it's not about me selling you anything. It's about me actually treating you like a human being and having a normal conversation with you. And guess what? If we get to do some business together, great. If not, I'm genuinely interested in what you do what your company does. I'm that Homer here in Wisconsin, Badgers, Bucks, Packers, Brewers. And I don't hold any, I of, that a, against, I I don't hold any of that against you, just for yeah. everybody out there. I don't hold appreciate, any of that against you. I appreciate that. Yeah, for my Ohio State uh, people out there, I don't hold that yeah. against them. <laughs> and it's just, you take pride in the state that you live in mm-hmm. and you take pride in everything that's made here. And we just are very fortunate to have a lot of big name logos here, Harley Davidson and Briggs and Stratton and Kohler and some of those ones that I got just the fortune to work for. I agree. And I'll tell you, one of the things I learned early on when I was sitting with people, and a lot of times when you're younger, one of the hard parts, at least for me, was getting to the point of what do I know more than the person that I'm dealing with? You know, almost that insecurities of I haven't walked through some of the fires that maybe other people have, but I always mm-hmm. felt as if I treated people like I was on the same side of the table as they were. Even if I didn't literally just sit next to them, my sales offering to them was as if we're sitting down together to make this decision as a team. And what is going to be the best decision as a team? So I'm hearing that from you too. It's just really feeling empathetic. Make sure Mm -hmm. you're providing the best value, best service, whatever you're offering. Absolutely, man. Empathy is huge. People miss that all the time. You can't fake it. That's not something you can just pretend. It's more about truly caring about people and trying to solve problems with the products that you offer. You come across very genuine, which is awesome. You have that instant connectability that can gain that level of trust. Do you have any memories of a specific story or situation that you were in a Mm -hmm. difficult position where you got tested in how you felt in that situation and what became of it. I'll preface this story with a little advice. You can prove a lot more to your client when something goes wrong than when it goes right. So are you the type of person that's just going to tuck your tail and run when it goes wrong? Or are you going to be the type of person that's actually going to fight for the client to get it done? This is one of my previous roles, actually, before I met you, I was doing a large pallet racking job. I think I have a little (laughs) inkling of understanding where you're going with that. For everybody that doesn't know, pallet racking holds product or different items up in facilities that you probably buy offline and you don't even know what it is, but that's what Matt's talking about. Go ahead, Matt. Steel. Steel. steel, There you go. Right. That's pretty much it. You know what? Out out in my area, in Amish country, I will see people that use wood. So be careful if it ever catches on fire. (laughs) That's true. That's true. The client came to us and told us, that the weight capacity that was going to be going in this was about half of what it was actually going to be. So that affects literally everything when you're designing a rack project all the way down to the anchors you're using into the concrete. He admitted to us that, hey, I made a mistake. What can we do? How can we do this? And it's either we help him or he bought all of this steel 
and there's nothing he can do about it. We weren't technically going to rebuy this stuff back from him, but what we were able to do is hook him up with somebody that was able to buy and resell. He didn't take a full bath on it. And then I was able to go back to the manufacturer and fight for him and be like, listen, I need a little bit of discount on this and explain the situation. Again, stand behind the client and help them get to another solution. Now, it worked out because then they ended up putting another warehouse knocked out a wall and added a whole another 700 bays or something crazy. I got that job then too. And we did it correctly the first way around. And because again, I did everything I needed to solve that problem with him up front. We were able to get these opportunities. I want to interject there. One thing you brought up, your character is tested in stressful situations. And mm. as a salesperson, it's very hard when you start looking at the dollars first and not looking at the solution. It's difficult when you have an impact financially on a decision it's not an easy one to not that be the leading indicator. Your story is a great example of that. The return for you doing the right thing to making sure that the customer is taken care of first. And then what follows through with that is a secondary order, a trust that's built. Mm -hmm. Those are the items you really can't develop when things are right. I hate to say that, but I'm a big believer yeah. that you learn a lot about who you are and about mm -hmm. how you actually come across as somebody else when they're saying, hey, I have a problem. Are you going to help me? That's basically what they're saying mm -hmm. is now, I thought I had a need, but now I have a problem. And the need, mm -hmm. a lot of people can fill. The problem, certain people are going to be able to solve it. That's a great story and a great example of something that people need to make sure they're listening to. Yeah. No, for sure, man. I think why we hit it off right away is we're very like-minded in that. We want to take care of our clients first. What does customer service really mean to you? And is that a trait just came to you or is it based on some of the organizations you worked for. Customer service is just a natural thing. I guess maybe that sounds a little arrogant, but it was something where like, the Midwest, for me, man, there's nothing that you can say that sounds arrogant <laughs> compared to the people I deal with on the East Coast. Nothing against my friends on the East Coast at all. Please don't take that the wrong way. Thank you. Uh, that's second nature to me. I would just do that. Yeah. My team doesn't necessarily see it that way. So it's kind of trying to find out like where that line is to coach people to has been difficult for me to identify because again, it is that empathy, that grace that you show your clients. Now, and so that's where I took it. You don't mind just after I ask the question, explain a little bit what you're doing now. So we actually send out physical letters to clients to give us a door opener. There's a natural script where you're always looking for that way to get past the gatekeeper. You've called plenty of companies before cold calling, trying the hardest part is to get through that gatekeeper. Yeah. And if you call up and you just mention, Hey, I sent Jim a letter last week, just wondering if he got it. Do you know if he did? And they're like, well, I don't know. Do you mind if Patch me through. I would love to see if he got it. And I just have a couple questions on it. You have that natural flow through that gatekeeper. And that's all it is. Yeah. I could care less if the guy read the letter. It's given me that opportunity to get past that initial awkwardness of just calling somebody out of the blue with no excuse. Hey, yeah. I want to sell you stuff. Answer the phone. No, that's you're right. really I hard mean, to get past, right? I was going to say there's a lot of companies out there or people out there that are calling somebody. They're not intuitive enough or just thinking through that somebody that they're not intending to talk to is going to answer the phone first and mm -hmm. they have to be ready to get past that gatekeeper. You have to be genuinely nice because they'll hang up on you if you're not, but you yeah, have right. to know that, Hey, I want to get to the person that's probably getting buffered by somebody else for a reason because they don't want a million calls a day. And what am I going to be able mm -hmm. to do? And I think your company is doing the right thing by having a reason to even have you guys internally say, okay, it's okay if I call them because we sent them a letter. You're almost just reconfirming in your own mind. Oh, it's fine. They should want me to call them today because I sent them a letter. So yeah. I'm just yeah. following up on yeah. that letter. Yeah. Whereas call if you're just like, them. hey, call this company. And be like, well, I'm not calling them. Do they know I'm going to call them? I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. So that makes sense. Yeah. Breaks down those barriers. Everything we do helps people. And you have to believe in that. You have I, to believe in what you do. 
I want people to think about that because I totally agree with you, Matt. Where a lot of people fail is not believing that the person or company or whoever the end user is in that situation isn't going to benefit by having them work with you. When you have that confidence yeah. of believing that you are truly the best person or product, service, whatever you're providing, if you have that belief in yourself, and again, it's very difficult early on. It was a really difficult hurdle. When you don't have experience, I would tell anybody, yeah. look at people that are doing well, find out what they're doing. And I hate to say, because in school, they always say, don't cheat, don't copy. But in the sales <laughs> world, an easy way to success is looking at people that are successful and figuring out what they do. I genuinely believe what we do. We're an MSP and cybersecurity firm. We do enterprise voice. We do enterprise networking. But on the main course of that, the main bite that people take out of us is that cybersecurity aspect. We are protecting their businesses from your hiring the bodyguard. And that's really what we take pride in is that we do it differently than everybody else. Yeah. And we know, knock on wood, I got a wood desk here. Not one of our clients that takes our security stack has ever been hacked, ever. Yeah. That's so something to you know, hat on, right? It's, yeah, exactly. You stand on that because what we do works. Yeah. We've never been hacked. None of our clients that take our full stack have been hacked. When you know that those are your stats, <laughs> yeah, you can go after it. What I do works. So, and I want to um, ask you on that because you're in cybersecurity. There's a lot of people out there. I'm one of them included that's had my credit card stolen before. So I have yeah. an emotional attachment to what helplessness that made me feel like when mm -hmm. the situation happened. Do you ever have your team to talk to somebody about that? Like, hey, have you ever had your identity or your credit card stolen? Or do you know somebody that has? And the reason I ask is it's hard to relate when that hasn't happened to you. But you mentioned you're the bouncer to try to prevent it from happening. And mm -hmm. I could tell you my experience was I can't use this card anymore. I've been compromised. You're not really sure where to turn. You call your credit card company. It's kind of a freakish moment. So do you guys use that at all and ask people? Or is that something oh, yeah. you steer away from? No, we definitely bring it like anything you can relate to real world applications is something that hits you personally that you can understand a little bit better. For example, pretend your cell phone got taken away. You can't get a new one. You can't access any of it. You don't know anything off of it for 21 days. That's the average remediation from a cyber attack for a business. You can't access your customer database. You can't access your email. You can't access your phone. And then multiply that out. We call it a fire number. Your revenue, divide that by 365 and multiply it by 21. Yeah. So that gives you that number of what you would lose just on your revenue alone, not just reputation. You're a victim of a crime, but you're thrown in through the mud. That's not sure. fair either. So it's just like it's not, people look down on you, Jeff, because you got your car credit card stolen. There's a lot like, of other things like, I probably looked down on before, but <laughs> I hope that's not one of them. Maybe. Yeah. But right, I was just curious. Right? It looked like a dog purchase and I have a golden doodle named Hudson. He's yeah. okay. I don't say he's the greatest because I don't think he is. My dog before him was way, <laughs> way better. I don't say that about my kids, but I'm allowed to say it about my dog, I think. Hopefully yeah, I don't get hate sure. mail. It was like a Pomeranian pom-pom purchase out of Spain. And I was like, what is this? My phone alerted me to another attempted purchase, which I guess the dollar amount was higher. I think it cost me $23. I can imagine, Nothing. yeah, in your guys' world, there are some businesses that, that if that would happen, if they didn't have your service, they probably wouldn't recover. It's potential that they could go out yeah. of business from that. Yep. Yeah, it's and it's rampant right now. And again, we're trying to do whatever we can to help. Matt is alluding to is important. I think core values. I actually had a mentor one of the things we sat down when we had a conversation was he asked me what my core values were. I, I couldn't rattle them off my tongue. I know I had them, right? Or I thought I had them, but it wasn't something that I really had thought about at the time. And we yeah. had said, how do you expect people to do business with you if you can't establish your own core values? Like, this is really saying like, here's my mission statement. What am I about? And I think 
for anybody out there, whether they're an entrepreneur or working for another company, the core values that you have represent who you are. And you want to be part of an organization that matches the core values. You can't change your core values. And I really don't think you will. At some point, you probably will leave the organization you're at if your core values and their core values don't match. You're in a good fit with a great company. And it comes through with knowing the person you are and the values that they stand for. I appreciate that. Anybody out there that maybe is in an entry-level position or looking to keep moving up the ladder or potentially jumping, did you use networking to do it? Or how did they find you? Did you make yourself readily available? What was that process like? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I started in telesales, moved to inside sales territory manager, outside sales territory manager. And then when we met, I was regional manager with a loading dock company. And it's during that position there is when I was approached by Krieger. Okay. It was networking, but a really good friend of mine is the project manager here. Okay. And so she made an introduction. We're trying to find this sales manager. You would be a great fit here culturally. Yeah. Would you be interested? Not that I was unhappy where I wasn't nuts about the travel. I liked coming and visiting you guys. That was always a good time. My wife had just given birth to our first child. I was missing a lot when I was traveling. You miss a week of their life. They're a completely different kid when they're that young. And so she learned how to do what already? That's crazy. That's what drove me to making the switch at that point. But really the introduction to it was knowing the right people and a lot of people knowing you do the right thing. Stick to your guns and your beliefs and that's how that happens. Well, networking is definitely a big part of that. Your natural network of people that you're around and they say centers of influence and just that you're definitely somebody who's just a generally nice person. I'm not sure if you have Appreciate quite that. the voice of Morgan Freeman, but I'll say you're in maybe like a top five range. So I'll give you credit for that. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe top Appreciate seven. That. <laughs> I don't want to go to your head. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, who you are all the time is important because you never know who you're going to run into. I know for me, yeah. when it came down to working for different organizations, I struggle when I left sometimes because I felt so guilty about moving on. You mentioned your family, life changes, life evolves. And I would tell anybody yep. out there that when I got into sales, the first thing, how much money can I make? You start looking at the dollar signs, but I came to find out helping people first was more or less going to meet my immediate need. And then in turn, the money came with it. Being a dad and having kids, I was working in a position at my current employer where I was having to get up at 5 a.m. and be on the road early before they would get up. And the reason I did that was I knew it hurt them when I was leaving. I like what I'm doing, but it's killing me being away from my kids. I decided to have a family. I wanted to be a dad, but I'm no longer the person that I felt like I was going to be. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I was honest with myself. A nice change for me to be able to meet that need. And I think it's important for people out there to realize you did that sometimes even if you're not hating what you do, even maybe if you're mm -hmm. liking what you do, there's other factors in that decision. It's important to just really pay attention to what your heart and your family or your wife or your partner is telling you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's big. That's why we do what we do is to provide for them. And yeah, it is about making money ultimately. But for me, I first met my wife. Her dream job is to be a stay-at-home mom. That's cool. Okay. When I met her, I was making $36,000 a year. Can't be a stay-at-home mom on that. <laughs> you just yeah. can't. And I started just fighting for everything I could do to try to expand my mind and trying to learn things. I don't have a college degree. So it was a real life experiences that you learn from and getting thrown right into the fire and go and try to be successful. I think that's what pushed me. And I tell her this all the time. You push me to be a better person every day, pushing me to be one step better and one step better and one step better. I don't want now her or my girls to be ever in a spot where they feel uncomfortable. And yeah. that's what keeps me getting out of bed at yeah. five in the morning every day. That's what keeps driving me. It's not because I know I'm going to go make X amount of dollars for the day. It's I know the more effort I put in right now is going to take care of my kids and their future and make sure that my wife can still stay at home. So that's, that's kind of everything, that, giving her her dream. 
that's fantastic to help. Again, it's awesome to make her dreams by your efforts and your ability to keep making that a reality. Do you feel not having a college degree proved to other people in your career? Did that drive you to say, I'm going to outwork this person or I am going to use that as motivation? And does it still motivate you or are you beyond that now? Absolutely. No, I mean, that definitely does. I read a book, Adam Grant, Think Again. I learned about it in that book. It's called Imposter Syndrome. Yeah. You never feel like you belong. You compensate by working harder. Still is me Mm -hmm. every single day. I don't think I belong on a leadership team. I don't think I belong in the position that I am. So I work harder to prove that I do belong here. Humility is a little bit that, that plays into that too. You use humility as that superpower. You fall short. You're okay with reaching out to ask for help in those areas. I definitely use that as a chip on my shoulder. I can prove to people that give me a shot. I will outwork anybody in this room. Yeah. And that mentor that I mentioned earlier, you shouldn't have to go to college to prove you're good at something. And that's that That kind of stuck with me. So yeah, for sure. I use it every single day, man. I listen to a lot of podcasts and one of the person is basically saying for him, he used darkness to motivation. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people use light, some people use darkness. Recognize it and use it to your advantage. Don't run from it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would tell you, Matt, is all of us have some level of imposter syndrome for the last kid picked on a sports team or (laughs) the person that grew up in a family that didn't have as much as somebody else or whatever that looks like for a lot of people. You are going to be in a young gun summit. You obviously mean something to a lot of people. And I just wanted to learn a little bit more about that and how you were able to be picked, not because I don't think you're deserving of it, just to understand for other people's (laughs) sake, how has something like that come up? I'd love to join some ability to speak about what they do, but I'm not really sure how to do it. How did that come up for you? Yeah, networking is the key there. The first person that I got to know, his name's Mike Rizel. He goes to a church that we used to attend. Somebody that I respected as a business person. He's a financial planner. He said goodbye to his nice, cushy job and came out to run his own thing. And I respected him a ton. He invited me to this large networking event. I remember sitting in the front row and the guys up on stage. That's my goal. I want to be up on that stage. I love performing. This is going to sound cheesy, Jeff, but I know you're That's because you're from Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, how yeah. Cheesy, how cheesy hey, is look that? at that. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I wrote it on a sticky note as one of my goals. Next to all my sales numbers and everything else that I wanted yeah. to hit, be on stage at Young Guns. Put it down. And when you see that pop up all the time, every day you're reminded. And I ended up having a very unique connection to one of the founders of Young Guns. Andy employed my brother-in-law a ways back. And my brother-in-law was coming out of some uh, substance abuse. He's a veteran. And so is Andy. Andy's a veteran and he loves helping other veterans. So I went and started talking to him and he's just, oh yeah, I remember Justin. Andy gave him one of his jobs and him just hit it off just because of that connection there. You do the right thing. I just generally wanted to meet Andy and thank him. Because he turned Justin's life around with that opportunity. Mm -hmm. We were able to develop a friendship, working relationship. And they asked if Krieger wanted to be one of the sponsors. They were a little nervous to ask me, do you want to be up on stage? And uh, and I was like, yeah, that's... Did you show him the it's sticky crazy, note. But I ro- Did you show? Him? I should show uh, him the sticky bring note. Bring it up on stage. You have to listen. If there's one thing you got to do, is yeah. you got to bring the sticky note up on stage. You got to bring that up. You will do point. that. Yes, I will. Right. I promise you. I'll bring. I'll bring a sticky note up on it. Because I listen to what Matt's saying here, which I cannot reiterate enough. It's something super simple. If you want something hard enough, write it down. See it every day. If you want mm-hmm. it, make progress towards that goal. If you look at something every day and it doesn't have to be what Matt's goal is or what my goal is, it's your own goal. Think mm-hmm. about what's most important for you to achieve. A lot of people use, hey, this year I want to weigh X amount. They say at the beginning of the year without a definitive timeline, a definitive plan. But if you look at something every day and you want it bad enough, you'll work towards that every day. Matt, I hope one of the things they can walk away from this podcast, if you believe you can help someone, 
you must understand their business and find a value that you can bring. Each business or each market is unique. You need to understand before you can help them, what areas can you help? And the only way to do that is identify what the business does and what the problems are. And you by providing a free education about the subject matter is a first step for a lot of companies to recognize, maybe I do have a concern that I didn't even recognize I mm-hmm. had. You being on stage and you just doing what you love to do and meeting a goal is gonna allow future mm-hmm. business people are gonna come up to you and say, hey, Matt, you had a great presentation and uh, I didn't really think about it before. I never really took it seriously, but after you brought that up, I'd love to talk more. That's great. Oh yeah, I appreciate that. I gotta make an adjustment to my opening then with a little sticky note. I should have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed, Jeff, that you had to think Dude, of that for me. Listen, <laughs> I have a lot of flyers that go out, Matt. Once in a while, they stick. Oh man, I'm on fire. Now listen, I know you have two girls. I have two kids, so yeah. it's getting late and I don't yeah. want to hold you too long because this has been awesome time. I wanted to yeah. ask you one last question before sure. we depart. And that question is going back into the beginning of your sales career. If you were going to sit yeah. down with somebody when they were thinking about getting into sales, what would you tell them whether or not it's worth it? Sales for me has been the most rewarding career path I probably could have ever asked for. And I genuinely mean that. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people I've impacted positively because of what I'm doing. Having this awesome conversation with you right now, if I want to chose sales. There's so many great people all over the place that share that same passion. And it's definitely a career choice. If you're even mulling it over, give it a shot because it's definitely rewarding. If you're good at it, you're going to make a good living. You have to be able to get through the actual grind of it because it's not all just going to be lollipops and rainbows. There's going to be hard stuff that you're going to have to work through. Take your breaks. You have to be able to clear your mind and step away. I tell my team, no rest equals no clarity equals no purpose. Hmm. If somebody would have told me when I first started out that take an hour a week to sit at a coffee shop with a pen, no laptop, no nothing. And just write down what comes to your head. You're working on your business instead of working in it. And that's a big thing that I've come to a realization that you have to be able to give yourself that time to reset. The hard part is it's hard to turn it off. Yeah. When you're in that sales mode and you have company customers calling you, it's very difficult to ignore that. But to your point about rest and clarity, one of the things I struggled with was when I had a family was to turn the phone off, to work during the day. And then it's five, 5.30, whatever the time. I haven't seen my kids yet. I walk in the door and there's a call coming in. I've made the choice to not be with my family all day. And that's a natural thing, right? That's not unnatural, but now it's dad's back. They've been wanting to see me most of the time. Sometimes they don't, but most of the time they want to see me. And uh, do I make the choice to pick up the phone and ignore them further? Or do I make the choice to to see my family. The commitment I made to myself was when I pulled into my driveway and I pulled into my house, I left my phone in the car for the first 30 minutes I was home. If you're in sales, a lot of times there is something's on fire, there's a crisis, there's something that's going code red. But the fact of the matter is, if you can't sit down and see your family for the first 30 minutes you walk in the door, what are we doing this for? You have to have that separation because if not, you're gonna burn yourself out, Things are going to be difficult in the home, and it's just not going to go to a place that's going to succeed further than that. Anyway, I agree with everything you said, Matt. And again, it was great advice. And I just wanted to piggyback on that with a personal feeling that I had based off my life evolving to having kids and having a family. Absolutely, man. I love the fact that we were able to connect. Where could they find you or your company if they were interested? Yeah, absolutely. You can visit our website if you really want to learn a little bit more about us. It's gokci.com. Or follow us on LinkedIn. uh, Pride ourselves with the content that we are able to put out on that platform. Education is key. If you want to just find free content, look them at on LinkedIn. Educate yourself. Cybersecurity, unfortunately, is a real deal. And uh, your business could or could not function based off of some decisions you make or not make. Again, Matt, it's been awesome time connecting on here. Same here, Thanks for all the advice. 
I'm still going to end with go Buckeyes because you're a Badgers <laughs> fan. I got to give you a little poke, but, but no, thanks so much for all the advice, the true authentic person you are. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right, everybody. It. We're going to sign off here from selling stories with Jeff and Matt. Thank you very much. <laughs>